Welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight we have a, I think it's really interesting show, uh, and it deals with some combined subjects that I've talked about before, but never exactly in this category, we'll say. And what I'd like to talk about tonight is the potential future of physical life extension. And I have mentioned um, numerous times on various shows that if a person is conscious, their consciousness is high, their life will actually remain, uh, we'll say, usable for a long period of time. But there's still the question of, okay, Let's say that you suddenly become very conscious and you're 80 years old (laughs) and you've already lived those 80 years being semi-conscious. What do you do about that? Because consciousness doesn't reverse uh, all of the aspects of aging once you've lived past the point of the time that the damage has been done. So, and the reason for that has to do with genes and a thing called telomeres. And uh, those, as the telomeres shorten, which is kind of like, we'll call it the way the gene is able to communicate with all other genes, as as it shortens, uh, the genes become more and more capable of being distorted and even uh, to the point where they don't function in the way they originally were made to, to do. They may not also interact with other genes very well. And the reversal of this uh, has yet been accomplished on a wide scale of a human body. It's been done in frogs and small, you know, like a a small part of a body, like a frog's body, but maybe just its leg or something. But not when we're dealing with the complexity of a human being with so many bodies. Remember, we talk about the physical body, but it's interconnected with the astral and the mental body at a minimum in a human being. And because of the added bodies, uh, it's way different than dealing with some kind of primitive life form. So, uh, tonight's show is going to be how to overcome this problem. And I have a interesting uh, way of doing that. The first thing is to talk about the problems inherent in the destruction of the genes, which leads to aging, and many, many, many other bad things, including all, almost all the ailments that people get as they go, get older, including some cancers. But the most important thing to recognize is that uh, this is virtually inevitable. It's just based upon the level of consciousness a person exhibits particularly during their early to mid-life. 
So it's great if you become a spiritually disciplined person in your 50s or 60s or 70s, but you can't really undo some of the significant harm while you may have been living much more selfishly at an earlier time through consciousness alone. It's not capable of doing that. Now, what can you do? What is there any answer for this? Because there might be some very wonderful spiritual disciples who in their 60s, 70s, 80s are uh, capable of doing great things because they have spiritually developed themselves, but their bodies, the physical body, may not survive. And so the answer is to find a method of lengthening, growing back the telomere, so the communication between genes increases, and over time, there's several other steps I'm not going to get into, but over time, changing the, the genetic structure. Uh, once you get that part done, uh, years of time, you could go back to a very young age, maybe even to almost childhood. So that would give you, that's like double your life. That's what we're talking about. You can double your life expectancy. And this is not nonsense. This is this is real. The only problem is it has to do with this very big problem in biochemistry and humans' anatomy of managing to take place. It has to take place not just in an arm or a finger or something. It has to take place all over the body almost at the same time. Now, why does it have to take place at the same time? Because the body acts as a unit. You can't just say, I'm going to make my hand very young. <laughs> Watch this. It, it doesn't work that way. The body has to be brought in unison to approximately the same level to grow all the telomeres back that allows genetic, we'll say, reestablishment of correct and new, the way it was when you were very young, genetic structure. Uh, so most of the telomere experiments have involved animals. And the ones that you have, there's been some stuff done with humans, but they did it on a localized area. And they discovered what I just said, that it doesn't work localized. It has to be all over the body or the body just erases, literally, whatever you do in your arm or a leg or any part of your body you're trying to just do it in. So it doesn't last. It just goes away in months. And so you get no effective advantage out of such an activity. Now, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and talk about the changes that are taking place in genetic engineering. And the biggest change is a thing called CRISPR. Uh, it sort of sounds like something you go to a food store for, but uh, it isn't, <laughs> it's not that. And the object of CRISPR, which is to reprogram the genetic structure of a cell. And CRISPR works. A 
absolutely positively without question works. However, it is very specific to the type of cell or cells that it's being used on. And it has yet to be found to be, well, it hasn't been attempted to be even because of dangers, but it hasn't been found safely to be able to use it for the entire body at one time, uh, even on lower-level animals. It has not fared well in those attempts. And so it's outlawed to be used that way because of the high level of deaths associated with the experiments. Not deaths to humans, but to other lower level life. And if it kills lower level life, it will certainly kill a human much faster because we're more complex. So it's, it's been a real enigma and a lot of people are frustrated by it. There are some illegal places that have tried doing a more broad-range CRISPR effect. Uh, they claim they have some success, but uh, none of it's been proven. And frankly, I would doubt that they have. I think they may have limited success on some part of a body that may last for a few years. But we're talking about a whole different thing if we're talking about doing it over the entire body. Now. What would you need if you wanted to do it over the whole body and have it work? Well, you have to really almost reverse the process that they're presently using. The present process looks at the part they want to improve upon, get information, genetic information about that part, and produce a chemical combination, the CRISPR, that will restore some of the elements of that specific part so that you get a more effectively working, younger working part, at least for a while. If, if it's not for a few years, it might be months, but in most cases it's years, it's a few years. But then it goes away. So you don't, it doesn't maintain itself. Now, I have a suggestion that's a little bit radical. First thing is you can't use CRISPR the way I want to use it uh, unless the person has already developed higher consciousness and is going to continue to do that and serve others in the process. They can't sit around in a hospital bed and do nothing. They've got to get their butt going fast and furious in terms of creating light in the world. Not in themselves, light in the world. That builds their consciousness, and that's the key to a new type of CRISPR. Now, once you build enough consciousness in the body, the body itself, you let the body be the regulator of how the CRISPR is used. Instead of confining and separating the body from CRISPR's use, you do the opposite. You take the whole body as long as it is raising itself in consciousness and serving others. It has to be spiritually serving, or this will not work. And then, at that point, if you're at that stage, uh, by literally making CRISPR an open design that the body itself can control and change, the opposite of what they do today. 
reverse it, basically. And and the the body, as long as it's focused out in in spiritual service, it'll use it. And it'll use it where appropriate and when to correct each part of the body as that that part is used in spiritual service. Now, interestingly, you would have to use your body all the time. That means you can't just sit around and think about this. You've got to be using, doing. Uh, Otherwise, it, it wouldn't be effective. So, and of course, the brain is the key to this whole situation. So, the first place you start with this kind of idea is your thought processes involving all the brains, not just the physical brain, but the etheric, the astral, the the mental, and if you have any buddhic brain power, fine. And all of that has to go into this use of this new kind of CRISPR. Once it's achieved in the brain, it will travel and be used much more effectively in all parts of the body. And the result would be, and I calculated some of this uh, a little earlier, the results would be it would take about one to three years in that range, depending upon the level of spiritual service and where the person started from, before they could attain a normal state of approximately, we'll say, 28 years old. Uh, that's not very long, as long as you're really, really serving. And in a few years, you could be 28 years old again. Now, why can't you go younger than that? Uh, because 28 is a magic number. is uh, the point where you use all of the different bodies together. When you start segregating the bodies the way we grow from childhood up, uh, this methodology would not be effective and could even be fatal. So we wouldn't want to try going past earlier, the 28. And that's an approximate number. And the body will tell you when you're getting to the maximum. It might be as high as 35. And it might be as low as 26 or something. It depends on the person. But I, I guess 28 would be our, be our norm or average. Now, you can say, well, what's the big deal? Why don't you go do this? Because there's already all this information on how to do CRISPR. And you could probably figure this out in a short order. And the answer is, yeah, sort of. But do you really want to start this until you know that only people who are going to be already spiritually serving are going to continue to do it? I wouldn't at all want to try it on someone who's 60 years old, just an average person, never spiritually served in their life, and say, okay, we're going to do all this stuff for you. Now you've got to start spiritually serving. Nah, no chance that person's going to survive. You've got to have strong evidence of prior spiritual service, including higher use of consciousness, before you even think about using something like this, because it's rare. It's going to radically change somebody. Now, how long are they actually going to live if you do it perfectly? Let's say you go back to age 28 and you know what You're probably looking give or take somewhere 145 to 155, 160 years of life. Total life experience. Depends when they start, how much service. There's a lot of of things to get into the situation. But that's about as long as humans were ever meant to live. So it's nothing 
out of what we were built for, but it isn't the current status of human life. Now, how do we know that humans are meant to live that long? Well, because there are a couple of times in history, prehistory, before that's not registered anywhere, that uh, people actually did live close to those periods of time uh, on a regular basis. Uh, one of them was during the six sub-race of the Lemurian race, and the other was during the uh, fourth and very early fifth sub-race of the Atlanteans. They actually lived that in that range. So people, normal life expectancy was 140 plus years. Some people were living to be 150. I mean, so you look at this and you say to yourself, well, okay, we, if we just had that historical stuff, maybe people would be more open to hearing what you say. Well, yeah, it, it, that's a whole other story. Different program, sorry. But uh, trying to prove that to people isn't any easier than just talking about this in terms of biochemistry in the, today's world. Uh, okay, so I've given you the gist, the general gist. I'm going to go deeper into this now and what it would mean and how, what effect it would have on the world. Now, the most critical element, as I'm sure anybody who believes even somewhat in reincarnation and some of the elements that are explained in reincarnation, of, of reincarnation in ageless wisdom, the, the, the process of reincarnation is a process of forgetting. It's not a process of remembering. And the reason that you forget who you were or where you were is that you need to have 60% of your memories intact, and they only stay intact 60% of the time if they're connected by consciousness. Otherwise, it just disappears. So there's that consciousness element. The consciousness has to go across all the bodies that are alive in the same being. So we have problems. Obviously, we have a bunch of problems when we talk about trying to change us back to the way at periods of time we used to be because we've become so selfish and there's so much more uh, development of sense in particularly the mental body because we're mental beings now uh, that it is more complicated more difficult to maintain this spiritual memory service ingredient in our formula for staying alive now why can't you go past say 160 years why can't you live 300 years? Why can't you live like 900 Well, the reason for that is that the intent is to not overburden the energies in our bodies just because we would like to live. They have a certain level that they can function peak at. And that level, in technical terms, in purely mathematical terms, works out to be 147. However, if you've lived a very spiritual life, it could be up to 167. But it's certainly not going to go much past that. You see, people say, well, why can't you live two or 300 years in the same life? 
the reason is that you just can't create enough spiritual service as a human being within that period of time that you live. And when you get past a certain age, you, you, you've used all that you can be, and then all it would be would be just trying to stay alive, but not be a spiritual service. The spiritual service is the key. And in order to spiritually serve, you have to have a certain level of consciousness always represented in each one of the bodies and each connected to the other at about the same amount. That's a confusing but diff and difficult method. But that's the truth of how it works. So no one that I know of is going that isn't evil uh, is going to live past 160 or so years, 170, whatever. They're not going to live 300 years. They're not going to live 200 years because it's just not possible. If you're serving and you're here to create light. If you're evil, you can live much longer. But uh, that's a whole other story. And I don't even need to cover that today. <laughs> I'm just telling you that as an aside. So the beings that incarnate who are evil because they're cracking otherwise in the eighth sphere, they come here to repair their bodies to do more evil. And they're not restricted by the problem of consciousness, at least not very much. And so they can literally stay around for at least 150 years, probably more like 200, 250 years without a problem. Now, that's a long, long time. And, of course, they have to do reinvent their life every so often because people are going to get suspicious of someone that's been around that long. But they managed to do that. And particularly in today's world, it's actually easier. You just keep putting up new things about yourself on here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to, I said I was born in 1870. Well, I was really born in 1920. Oh, no, I was born in 1930. Actually, I think it was 1940. <laughs> That's what they do. Uh, and, of course, everybody believes them. It's pretty remarkable. All right, back to our subject. The telomere is a very, very crucial part of this equation. And the telomere has to be uh, grown throughout the body in approximately the same length and kept that way without a disparity between one body part, one organ, and another. That's the key to very long life. The body is quite capable of taking care of that with the right chemistry introduced to help it. Uh, and it will do it on its own, provided consciousness is high enough. And the longer you've been leading a life of spiritual service, the more effective this works. And some people might only work for 20 years because they've been too selfish for most of their life. And in other people, it might work for 160 years or 150. So it's really up to the individual and in how they choose to live their life. 
And amazingly, now, I'll tell you that there are exceptions, which are good exceptions. If a person starts living beyond their capacity of service, then you might say, well, wait a second. How can you be beyond the ability that you have to serve? Uh, you do so by giving up what seems to be elements of your life that are selfish in some way, but also in some cases aren't even selfish. They're just normal aspects. But as you give those things up and change them into service for others, it actually breaks the rule. And you may grow faster, more effectively, and stay longer alive than even the numbers would normally suggest in the change in the four parts, the four different atoms in the telomere structure. And so if you can do that, that is a miracle. Now we're talking about miraculous life extension. How do you do it? You can't do it alone. It would require no question being in a spiritual group that is usually doing some sort of world service. So you would have to become part of a world service group who is functional. That being the case, well, that's a real far out there possibility, but that being the case, no matter how you may have lived before, your life expectancy may radically jump up, radically. Yes, you're going to still have to use some of the magic formula of the CRISPR, but I can tell you to create this CRISPR formula that I'm thinking about, it's a matter of months in a laboratory. It's not that long. Now, I'm not going to give it out over the air because I don't want somebody saying, oh, yeah, this guy said you'll extend your life without them understanding everything else I'm talking about, and then it may kill people. That would not be my hope in respect. So assuming that people I'm familiar with, we create this, uh, we would be highly selective in who we would share it with. So as to not harm people and not create uh, undue incorrect expectations when it could be just a reverse of what someone wants to do with it because they have reversed we'll call it motives <laughs> and motive is very important here so if your motive is just to live longer you don't care about the rest of the world and you want to just lie your whatever off and get some of this stuff to use that will lead to disaster for yourself and maybe others that might be involved with what you're doing. And it certainly isn't going to accomplish any good in the world. So obviously we don't want that as an outcome. Now, how sure am I that I could create such a formula? I'm about 97% sure that I could do it. I'm not the world's greatest chemist. Uh, but in this particular area, I probably would be because of my understanding of the nature of the situation better than anyone else. Most chemists that are advanced chemists have more knowledge of pure chemistry than me, but they don't understand the more esoteric elements 
which play so strongly in this situation. They might even disagree with them. They might not just ignore them, thinking, well, that doesn't mean anything. And, of course, that would be fatal. So it won't be a good thing. And you can't test it on animals because no matter how good the animal is, it doesn't have the consciousness high enough to use the formula I'm talking about appropriately. This is strictly for human beings now. You can't use it. Even if you got the greatest dog in the world or a terrific monkey or whatever, it isn't going to change anything. They can't use it. It might hurt them severely to try it. So this gets into trials on humans right off the bat. And I guess that's a little scary for anybody to consider. And I don't think it would pass any FDA trials or anything like that. So it couldn't be done legally in most countries. You virtually have to go someplace where nobody knows what you're doing and do it there. Because uh, most of the countries on Earth would not permit this at the present time. Because they don't understand it. I mean, that's the first thing. And lack of understanding leads to a negative response, usually. But beyond that, they would believe it's actually dangerous. Yeah, and it actually is dangerous. But only to the wrong people. And that would be almost impossible to convince people who aren't spiritually developed themselves that that's a true state. Now, I have given some thought over time, but I did so in the last couple of days, more so, of how the design of CRISPR would have to be modified and what parts of the actual chemistry uh, would be different. You got four different really atoms that you have to be concerned about, but it's it's more than that. There's a element that most people don't recognize about the joining of, we'll call it, different elements together. And that part is like esoteric chemistry. I guess the best way to describe it, hidden chemistry. Uh, it was talked about as early as the beginning to the middle of the 20th century. But then it was lost and not discussed again. It's mostly covered by people in the Theosophical Society and some other groups that seriously were looking at some things like this. They didn't go very far with it. And they didn't have enough science behind them at the time. And CRISPR didn't even exist, of course, at all. But the idea of changing genes just at will was something. They didn't even know what a gene actually was. They had an idea, but nothing, no proof. All right, so in our situation, the idea or the concept is that the body itself is the tool. You're adding ingredients so the body can use itself as a tool to, based upon location and use, 
uh, get the maximum amount of telomere restoration that doesn't break down nearly as fast as it originally did because the person's consciousness is higher. And that interacts with all the other parts of the body flawlessly. Now, the flawless interaction part is critical because you might have, you might, your arms might work perfect, but then maybe your legs won't, you know. You've got to have everything interacting together as a unit because that's what we are. We're a unit. And unfortunately, you need different amounts and types of, uh, of interactive CRISPR parts used all over the different parts of the bodies in extending each set of telomeres for that location. But the body does that on its own if it's kept in a state of high consciousness and given all the opportunity and all the necessary chemistry to do it. So we're really relying on the bodies themselves and not some giant chemical experiment in a laboratory. Yes, some of this is made in a laboratory. But it's not the key. The key is the body itself. Now, do we have evidence of supporting my idea? Sure. There's already proof of some of the things I just told you. On a limited scale, they have proven some of the things that I've said. It just hasn't been applied to the whole body. And the idea of consciousness is still foreign to most of science. So... Can we achieve the result in a reasonable time? And is it relatively safe? And when can we start? <laughs> well, reasonable time would be several years. We can achieve it in less time than that, as far as the formula. And we can't start until we have it worked out uh, almost perfectly of how it's going to interact in each person's body. You can't do this just as a, well, we'll use the same stuff the same way on each person. You have to look how each person is using all the senses in their bodies, what kind of consciousness they're employing, hopefully over 60%, which is almost a critical factor. And most people are not near 60% conscious. And then the last part of it, and the reason for the 60% is it, it makes you have continuous memory. So it isn't like, well, you got it right for the first five years and then you forgot. That ain't going to help you. This has to last through the whole lifetime. And only if you have the 60% required memory will that achieve the result. And that's been found in regular neurology. You have to have that level of uh, connection, 60%. All right, so my suggestion would be you start with a group of people who are working together, who they could be different ages. Their physical age is not as critical as it might seem, but they have to be working at similar levels of consciousness. And what is defeating in one person is added to by another. So you look at it as a collective group. 
the ice detector would be perfect that way. You waste some years of time by catching up to the right level, but it's it's still doable. Within five years, you certainly could say this is doable. Maybe during those five years, you have times where it isn't as effective as others. It's okay. We can live with that, right? We're talking about doubling people's lifetime. All right. What's the outcome? Well, if we were to take the people who are spiritually disciplined, they change the world 85, 90%. They're the people who make the world grow. We think that everybody else is doing something, but they're doing virtually nothing. All right. So let's say it's 85%. 85 Let's say it's 80%. 80% of the world's growing through a very small number of people. And that growth now will accelerate tremendously because these people are going to live an entire lifetime over what we call lifetime today uh, as a person who is contributing at this super high level. That's a huge improvement. That's like having 10 times, 20 times more spiritual disciples at that level all working, all doing the same thing, working together. That's a big boost. All from taking CRISPR <laughs> in the right way and selecting people that would fit the parameters, which are all spiritually disciplined people who are at least at a 60% level of consciousness. Now, the odds are that if you were to do this, the world would just about wipe out evil, give or take within 100 to 200 years. On its own, no destruction to the planet, none of the bad things that might be coming. Uh, on its own, evil gets pushed off the planet because the planet's too enlightened. It can't, it can't survive here. There'll still be people who are selfish. There'll still be people who want to be evil but they won't be supported by the dark hierarchy because they need a certain proportion of people who are evil. It's kind of a reverse situation, and they'll be deprived of that because those people will be completely, they, they won't be harmed, but they'll be excluded from the world because it'll pass them by in terms of consciousness. They won't be able to keep up with what's going on. And therefore, they can't do any harm. Let me give you an example. Let's say that uh, you got people doing really bad stuff. They want to be socialists. They want to take over everything. They want to harm people. They want to take over people's everything. Possession, children, life, everything. And right now, they're pretty successful more so than not in some countries, obviously. Uh, and the United States, in the last couple of decades, they've been really moving ahead for themselves. Now you introduce our new brand of CRISPR. <laughs> and within a few years, what starts happening? Well, the people that are doing the most of the creating is at a level that the people who are evil can't even 
understand, much less interfere with. They just they don't even they don't even get what's being done. And what they were trying to do, everybody just ignores because this other stuff is so much better for everybody, except for the dark ones. And it will only take a few years. And so we stamp out the levels of and ways that evil is controlling the world. Then it doesn't take long at all for the dark hierarchy to lose control because they have to have control over others besides just themselves. I mean, there's only like a thousand of them, right? They need millions. They need tens of millions of people that they control or they can't get nothing. None. And we take most of those people away from them. It doesn't change them per se, but in short order, they can't survive. And they will destroy themselves. And they'll leave the world. They just, just leave. There's no place for them to hide because it isn't a hiding thing. They can't survive it. Sound good? Sounds good to me. How long? Maybe five years or so we could do this. Maybe that's a little optimistic. But does it really matter? Because right now evil's winning. So we switch the whole thing around. Instead of them winning, we know it's only a matter of a few years and they're going to be gone. I like that. Now, if I get a little excited about this, please forgive me, but it's a great idea. <laughs> and we, the people I work with, are capable of contributing a large amount to this. Provided we're not destroyed before that happens, but... And there's the dark side is always going after us, just so you know, we're not, we're not prevented from being hurt badly. And, but I'm telling you that it can be done. And it, it's a process that is, is completely understandable if, if you look through it carefully. There's nothing that's like fantasies or, well, you got to bet too much on something happening and it can't probably happen. It's just the opposite. It's it's pretty controlled. And there's a very, very good chance this would work. Now, how fast could you drive evil off the planet? I think in less than 50 years. I think it could be even done in 25, 30 years if we were really, really successful. But believe me, I'll take 50 if that's what it takes compared to where we're headed. Because in 50 years, evil might take over the world. Or at least be at a point where we're never going to get it back. That's probably, that's probably a better way to put it. And it might take over the world 100 years from then, but it's, it's still, it's it's like irreversible. They've gotten so far, you know, there's not much we can do about it. Now, I, I want to be careful because I want people to understand that what I'm talking about is not legal to be done most places and certainly not in the United States. Uh, yes, you could try to do it illegally, <laughs> but the dark side would find probably a way to get you pretty badly. Could you do some of it in a laboratory, say? Yes, in the United States you probably could get away with that but you couldn't actually implement. Where would you implement? 
Well, maybe some islands someplace. Someplace where nobody's going to be looking down your neck and saying, ah, you're using CRISPR, and you're using it on a body-wide situation and doing this and that. You know. So you would go someplace where there's a lack of law and uh, use it there for a while. Now, after it's been proven to work and be effective, could it be introduced to countries like the United States? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't think that it couldn't eventually be used worldwide. But I don't think that you're going to get it started in the U.S. or any country like the U.S. Too many laws, too much, you know, the FDA, this, that, everybody. Stop it. And it would invite the dark side to go after the people doing it, which would be us, and there could be we could be put in prison. Had have all the equipment confiscated. Uh, who knows what might happen by interfering in the experiment? If it was done on people, those people might die because they would be interrupted. So you can see why, as far as actual implementation, you've got to go where there is virtually no law about. And there are some places. We've investigated that. Our group has. And there's some places you can get away with this. But it's... You still can do the lab work here. I wouldn't advertise it. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, put big signs up. We're doing this here, and it's not supposed to be. I wouldn't do that. Uh, but the point is that you can get away with it, but not actual distributing it to people and saying, here, go do this and take this stuff. It's unfortunate, but true. And CRISPR is being used to fight cancer illegally in some island places already. Not as wide a use as what I'm talking about, but it's still being used. And if I had a very serious form of cancer, uh, I would be going to one of those places. Not to say that the people who are using CRISPR really have a 100% solution, but it's better than nothing if you've got a month or two left to live to give it a try. I'm not suggesting that people break the law. I'm suggesting that people bypass or go around the law to save their life. Now, for a lot of people, this might be too much, and they'd just rather die here. It's okay. It's your choice. <laughs> I don't care. The majority of cancers that are fatal have very limited life uh, increases from the use of the therapy. Very limited. You might live a few weeks longer, as an example, but be very sick. So I don't know that that's, that's an alternative. At least, I, I mean, I can't make that decision for everybody. But for me, I would say, well, I'd go through that. You know, if I know I'm getting a treatment that will give me 10 more years or 50 more years or whatever, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll go for that. That would make sense. But again, those forms of CRISPR are outlawed here and in most other countries. The people who are using them 
who knows how much they really understand of their use. And I guarantee they don't understand much about consciousness. So that's probably not a major part of their concern. Where with what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, is the major part. So it's quite different. But nonetheless, I thought I'd add that in there because uh, it's important that people recognize there may be alternatives to the medical treatments presently available in most of the major countries, some of which are completely useless against some forms of very dangerous diseases. So then you might want to consider what I'm saying in that respect. Even if you're not going to live a purely spiritual life, you might get another decade or two of life if you go elsewhere. And for a lot of people, that's meaningful. All right. So we're running out of time for this section of the show. And I hope this has been a good starting place for us to talk about what we can do and how it can be accomplished. I want to talk about when we come back, what the future is going to look like if and when we succeed in doing this. And that's really the big thing to me. I, I guess the second part of the show is going to be more important to me. I needed to talk about this first part so you can understand what the heck I'm talking about. But really, the, to me, it, it all leads to a much better place. And talking about that better place for me is a little more fun than what I've just talked about. So we're going we're gonna to come back, uh, give or take, in about two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the whys, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. 
The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight we're uh, talking about uh, the potential future of physical life extension. And uh, the, the idea is that it can be accomplished through known methods in chemistry. But it also involves tremendously the component of consciousness and spiritual service. Now, I, I, of course, covered most of that in this show. Let's talk about the future. Let's say we actually accomplish what I'm talking about. Let's say five years from now. We have available to all those who have shown to us that uh, they are spiritually serving and somewhat on a worldwide basis and have uh, completed doing something, but need whatever help they need, and are getting on in years. They're not young people, and they need to live longer than they're probably going to live to be of much service to the world. Now, it is true we could offer this to young people too, not before 28 at any rate, and that could be another group. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but let's just talk about probably the majority of people initially will be probably past the age of 40, maybe 50. And they're looking at a lifetime in which they can't do that much. Even though they're on the right track, they have their heart into it. They really are spiritually serving world, world service. It could be along any of the seven ways you can serve the world. But the point is that they they still are looking at a short life expectancy, relatively short. Most of those people figure they're going to make it to, what, 80, 90 years old. And if they're already, say, 60, that's not a good amount of time. And it may not be enough time to change the world from its present bad trajectory towards evil. As a matter of fact, we really need about 50 good years uh, of spiritual service from everybody we can get going, and particularly in world service. And frankly, there just aren't enough people to do that at the rate that they die. So we are losing that battle. Now, we introduce this new methodology in the next few years. And we make it available to those people who have shown that they're doing some levels of world service. Uh, they may be suffering from some illnesses. They may be just suffering from all of the elements of aging. And we say, we can help you with that. 
get rid of almost all illnesses, make yourself feel like you're in your late 20s and you're going to live until way past 50 years. Maybe you'll make it almost 100 years more. Well, I think that we would have a lot of takers. But again, we become very careful about who we're offering this to. Not just anybody. Only the people who fit all the parameters and who themselves want to do it. That may not be that many people. I don't know the exact number at this point. But I know it could be enough to break the hold that darkness has and the evil side on this world. And that's a big deal. So we would do everything we could to promote this. One of the things we're doing is we're developing a studio and other stuff and we can include the information that, that I'm telling you tonight in some of the stuff that we're doing in that studio some of it's going to go out to major universities and other things so it'll become more readily known so we're not going to try to keep it a secret just the opposite I don't think some things I think need to be kept secret but this is one of the things I don't think is a good idea to keep secret it is true that to implement this fully, we'll have to have some place we can send people to <laughs> outside of the U.S. But that's a whole other story, and I think that can be arranged. Uh, but just finding the people and getting people to recognize this is a valuable asset to developing a more spiritual world and to getting rid of the evil that's here, that's a big deal. Uh, we also don't want to uh, involve ourselves with anything that's controlled by the government. Uh, the government right now is 50-50, half of it's evil. That's scary in the United States. If you go to other countries, it's way more than 50% evil. So you got you got terrible things as far as the first-rate elements of the government involvement. And this is not unusual. When there's darkness about, it's the first-rate institution government that almost always is the biggest proponent of it. Not unusual, therefore. We have to be very careful, but I think this could be carefully planned out and accomplished. And not breaking any laws. You know, I'm not into, well, let's break some laws and not let anybody. I, I don't think we have to. I think we could do all this still stay on the side of law, but then go elsewhere for the parts that would be against the law. Now, if we can get this going in, say, five years, I would say that is a pretty good chance. I just don't know how many people would be willing to try it and use it, but I'd say it'd be a pretty good chance that we could beat evil in this world, in this century. That's a big deal. Just the members of our group could outlive the century itself. That's pretty amazing. And uh, there are a lot of other really tremendous benefits from this. The, the biggest benefit maybe that isn't really, we'll call it, directly connected to spiritual disciples is that this same technology 
uh, over time uh, would help a lot of people live better and be and live longer and be more well, even if it's only 10 or 20 years, uh, than not. So that's entirely possible. Uh, not to say that that's going to do the same thing to get rid of evil that the other thing is, but it does give you more of a opportunity to attract people to the spiritual side of the situation. Because once you've convinced them that they're living longer and better, even though they haven't committed themselves to becoming spiritual in any way, they're more likely to be open to it because something happened. You know, I'm not saying even the majority would be, but some of them would be, and that's a good thing too. And the ones that aren't open to it, well, they just, well, they live a bit, bit longer and they have a better life. Nothing nothing necessarily dramatic there for those people, but uh, you know, I, not everybody is going to be here to save the world. <laughs> That's for sure. So you got to take what you can from the situation and make it work as good as you can. Certainly, as life gets better in the whole world, uh, evil has a harder time taking out. That's always been true, and it would be certainly true in our near future. Now, I've talked a lot about other science things and going to other planets and other things, but the fact of the matter is that as far as this solar system is concerned, the critical planet, which kind of gives me the willies, <laughs> The critical planet about the success of this particular solar system is Earth. And it's the last place I want to bet on right now. So, I mean, it's the darkest place of all the planets. So, that's kind of the scary part about it. Now you say, well, but what about Mars? Mars was hit by another planet million, uh, 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 millions of years ago, 100 million years ago, or maybe a billion years ago. We don't know for sure. And it was split, thrown out of course and broken up into pieces. And what we see today of Mars is only the fraction. Mars was about the same size as the Earth when it, before it was hit. But Mars was meant to develop the highest levels of animals. Not necessarily in a more emotional planet. Not necessarily what Earth is supposed to do. Earth has its own thing. And because we are so uniquely different than any other world, we're so different from a lot of places outside of the solar system, and because evil was invited in, crazy as it sounds, uh, to hopefully show that we could overcome it. I'm not so sure I like the idea, but that's what the decision was, by shortening the time to develop human civilization. The shorter the time, the more the chance evil has to gain control. But I'm saying, let's reverse that idea. Let's shorten the time it takes people to become conscious. Let's shorten the time it takes them to be of spiritual service. It's like 
reversing all the problems that were inherent in making Earth the way it was in the first place. That's the ticket, as far as I'm concerned. Now, it would have helped to put Mars back together and bring it closer to Earth the way it was originally. Sure. I mean, you have three planets pretty close together. Could even move Venus a little closer to the Earth and Mars be a little bit further away at the edge of the outer part of uh, the original Earth uh, orbit. And uh, you could have three planets. That would be easy to travel from one to the other one. That's great. No problem. But you don't want that to happen unless you have a virtuous, enlightened world. You don't want three planets of evil. And it won't happen because I believe that the Earth will be destroyed if it's a foregone conclusion that evil has gotten total control of Earth. That could happen in as little as 100 years to 150 years from now. And then it's, it's, that could be the end of Earth. When the whole round is supposed to go another 1,000, 2,000 years, yeah, well, it's supposed to, but if the decision is made by beings that are outside of Earth, that's the end of it. If it's if hopeless, then it's hopeless. It was an experiment. Pretty nasty one of sorts. So I suggest another experiment. Let's counter that crazy experiment that didn't seem to work so well with another experiment that might solve the problem. The problem of life expectancy going down as people live selfishly. But we can counter some of that for those that want to live unselfishly. We don't have to live as a result of everybody else. Most people do, but you can choose otherwise. But it has to be a conscious choice, and you have to do some things to absolve yourself of it. And that's what I'm talking about. Those are the requirements in Angel's Wisdom, and that is what we would be doing. It's not illegal in Angel's Wisdom, and it's not wrong. It's just a, a pretty tough requirement that that's the way it's got to be. All right, so what will we be doing then for five years, let's say, creating this formula and making sure it works? Well, <clears throat> first we have to complete our facilities, which aren't done yet. We have to, uh, we're in a battle we're having with some substantial forms of evil that, that continually comes after us. And we, we need to have possibly more people join us. Uh, we're not that many people, and we need probably a few more to be successful at all the different projects that we have on the drawing board, so to speak, or we've even started doing. So that's those are the beginning process, and some of those are very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to accomplish. And it still might take us a few years to develop the correct, the correct being the one that really works, <laughs> uh, form of patellar development that uh, would work without harm. 
And yes, we would have to try testing it on lower forms of life first. But at some point, some people have to volunteer to try it. <laughs> and most likely, it's going to be us, some of us anyway. So there's a danger involved all the way through it. But, you know, we're pretty resourceful and pretty unafraid. So we're willing to try anything that will help save the world, serve the world. And we see our lives that way. We see that our life is here for that purpose, and whatever it takes, we'll use it for that purpose. Now, after you try all the chemical experiments you can, some human beings or human being has to try the stuff. And what might happen? Well, it wouldn't be too hard to tell about the telomere activity because within months you would either see general growth in all the telomeres in all the different organs, or you wouldn't. Or you might see it only in one specific location, which shows there's, it's not working properly. And if it starts working that way, then that's a very promising thing. Then you try to see how long it lasts for. Does it last a month, six months, a year, ten years, lifetime? You see, that's where the only way you know is by doing it. You can't solve it just with a with, with a computer or a chalkboard or something. You have to actually do it to figure it out. And the people who volunteer for this sort of thing have to be pretty brave because there's a lot of unknown things. Would I volunteer? Yeah. But that's me. <laughs> I'll do a lot of crazy stuff that nobody else will do, right? But I would volunteer. Yeah, I would. Now, the, the question becomes, okay, let's say you accomplish at least the increase in life expectancy. Well, that's a really important factor. But then you have to make sure that all the senses are equally developed and that you can operate and use them in the most, we'll say, positive, most spiritual ways possible. That's going to take quite a challenge. I mean, you could figure it out in a few months because you could take two tests every day, just constant testing, to see how you're doing. But it would be take a lot of effort, and it would take a lot of time of a person's immediate life because they're going to be doing all these tests. But it's worth it because we're finding out the truth. It's still not 30 samples. It's one person's experience. And we've got to try a few more. It's the way it is. Will we ever get to 30 people before we have to maybe open it up more for others? To try? I don't know. Maybe we won't. Again, that will be against FDA rules and all kinds of other stuff, even good science. But sometimes science is not the answer. Sometimes it's really about metaphysical issues and spiritual things before science can even be considered. Science is narrow because it's based upon the only mental world concepts of truth. And truth changes like the wind. Today's truth is not tomorrow's. So we have, uh, we have a lot to do. And others that join us would be in the same situation. So it's something to consider if you want to be part of this specific thing. If you don't want to be part of this specific thing, but you still like to join us, hey, call us. 
Nobody forces anybody to do anything. But those who decide to try this could be the forerunners of a completely different future. And they might live a very long time. But more importantly, they'll do more in that time than maybe anybody has ever done as far as developing a more spiritual world. And that's a big deal. Super big deal to me. I don't know how big of a deal it would be for everybody else. So let's go into the some of the chemistry. I'll explain as best as I can what happens when you use CRISPR. CRISPR replaces the uh, genetic structure based upon a preconceived design that changes the pattern of how the atoms are put together. And it's pretty effective. But it's also deliberately made limited, so you don't you can't do what I'm talking about doing with it as it's designed today. But even if you only use it as it is, it's the most effective means for affecting telomeres and the most effective means for altering genetic structure towards a certain direction or pattern. Now you can say, well, I have barely heard about that or I never heard about that. You know? Well, right now it's still considered experimental by some people, outlawed by others. Whole countries have outlawed it in every respect. And uh, in almost every country that's of any significant size or whatever, uh, it's controlled. So, again, you got to go someplace where that isn't true, and you still can set up and do what you want to do. In the laboratory, if you're making a form of CRISPR that is the limited form of CRISPR, it's only going to work on very specific genes in very specific places in the body. Maybe the brain. Maybe your toe. Maybe your heart. Uh, and its purpose is always uh, completely limited from interacting with other genetic structures. And that's one of the rules. We'll be breaking that rule. So going in the opposite direction of the present rules, you can see that that would be have to be done someplace else. But we could do it in a laboratory, but you couldn't take it out and give it to anybody, and etc. And you probably couldn't even talk about it. The methodologies, this is going to sound strange, are not that difficult. I've done more difficult things in chemistry and biology than what's presently being done with CRISPR. More difficult. But it's a very specific kind of difficulty. And you are mucking with the very keys to life itself. So people get real touchy about it, to say the least. And if you were to introduce it generally into a population and people started spreading it in such fashion, there's no telling what would happen. That's why you're still 
if you're going to go outside of what's allowed legally, you still have to be very, very careful who you give it to and who those, what those people are doing. You may have to have some ingredient, some way that they even can't have children or prevent them from having offspring because it's too dangerous. You don't know what you're playing with, what the outcome might be. And so you may be able to cure people of some terrible diseases and give them a long life expectancy, but they can no longer have children because it's too dangerous for everybody else. And that may be one of the governing uh, principles. I don't like that, but that may be the only way that it's safe to do what we want to do. And for a lot of people, this sounds like, oh, boy, this guy's really crazy. Because if he can't do all this stuff, he'd be more more dangerous than anybody in the world. Well, it's just the opposite, because we are the most responsible. We're the most unlikely to do something wrong. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we're going to do it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. In fact, we're more likely to restrict in many ways whatever we discover and whatever we use. We're already doing that. I know that's true. I know we, we do that in a number of different areas. So it isn't something that I can just say, well, we've never done it before, but we'll do it now. No, we've been doing it. And we keep doing it. So I think it is safe for us to proceed uh, in the ways that I've described. And if we run into a situation, I can tell you this, where we can't control it, we will stop. We would never take the chance, never, of this thing getting out of hand uh, because it could destroy all life, it could make it impossible for people to do certain things, and who knows what, what could happen. That's the reason you got to be so darn careful. All right, so another thing that I want to mention is that besides CRISPR, which is the major issue here about how we're talking about doing it, there are other things you can do as an adjunct to giving someone the right CRISPR ingredients and having them do everything else I said. There are a number of additional uh, things a person can consume a number of additional things they can take, and a number of additional therapies they can employ to be of assistance and also to even correct any problems that come out of the use of the type of CRISPR that I'm talking about. That's the good news, because we're not going down a road that doesn't have any other ways of altering what might take place. So we would employ whatever is necessary uh, together rather than simply use only the one. The one might be the primary means, but there might be something else that works better with it or that limits it better. And limitation is a big thing, as I've described. So you want to be able to do that if necessary. What about people who want to have children? And they get their hands on CRISPR, our, our version of CRISPR. Well, there's a danger. That's a big danger. Because they would be passing on to people who we have no knowledge, understanding about how, what kind of person that's going to be, 
what they're going to do with their life, what they're going to follow or not follow, everything, the whole works. Uh, and that would be a very dangerous situation. And I, I believe we can control that by human beings being as they are. It's, it's a certainly a big, big concern. What they are are people who are devious, <laughs> do what they choose to do, and they don't really concern themselves about the big picture sometimes. So that would be a, 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 a difficult, very, very difficult area to be in control of. Also, uh, I haven't mentioned this, although I said beginning to show there's more to it, and this is what it is. You can't use the CRISPR that we're talking about just once. We'd have to take it on a regular basis. Why? Because it is not remade in the body. So if you withhold giving someone CRISPR because they're misusing it, having children or whatever, it will soon decline. And without a constant supply, they could not continue to do whatever bad things are doing with bad results because it would just disappear. Now, as it disappeared, they would start aging again, and other things would take place that wouldn't be so bad, so good for them. But at least they wouldn't be as dangerous to the rest of the world. How often would you have to take it? That's a question we have to determine in the laboratory. But my guess is every few months, you might have to take some, and certainly every year or two, you're going to have to take it. Why? Because it gets used up. <laughs> It isn't, uh, it, it isn't a renewable source on the, from the body itself. Could you make a body that made it? Maybe. But that's something we're not going to work on, and I don't know if anybody else could do it. So the object is, the way you control it is that it isn't renewable in the body itself. You have to keep using it, taking it, having it available. And that gives control, which needs to happen because people are not necessarily always trustworthy to do what they claim they're going to do, or et cetera. So you have to be very, very, very careful. And again, we're trying to deal with people who are spiritually focused. That's no guarantee someone stays that way for a whole life, or that just because they've done it before, they're going to do it in the future. You can't tell. You don't know. So that's a good thing that the CRISPR is not going to last indefinitely. You have to keep taking more and using it appropriately to maintain where they're at. How expensive is it? The scary part about it is it's not too it's cheap. It doesn't cost much to make it. You can make a huge amounts for relatively small amounts of money. That probably isn't a good thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, wow, that's great. Why isn't it a good thing? Because it doesn't cost much. And things that are cheap, people love that because they usually can get their hands on it. So expensive things are harder to get. But unfortunately, the ingredients are not that expensive. And you can make a whole, whole bunch for very little. And that's just the way it is. It has profound you know, consequences, I agree. 
everything I'm telling you is the truth about it, and that's some of it's not the greatest truth you want to hear, but that's the way it is. All right. What about other people learning how to do this and them just doing what the hell they want to do? Very possible. Can it be reverse engineered? Yes. But not completely. There's some, some parts of it that that won't necessarily be true. And remember, it only works on people who are spiritually serving. That's the key element. That's the real safety valve. I'm not saying everybody spiritually serving is a perfect person, but that's a big deal, that that really has to be part of their behavior, their actual activity. So that's a pretty good control, but not a perfect one. But I can tell you, if we don't do this, it isn't going to be that long before someone else does anyway. I mean, okay, maybe it'll be 10 years from now. But they may do it for entirely different purposes that might really be bad. And I would hate to see that happen. Very much. All right. If you didn't have a outward-focused service life, and you just wanted to use the CRISPR, to try to stay younger, it would have limited effect and would probably only work for a few years at most, at all. Consciousness has that much of an effect on the way this stuff works. So that's another good thing. That's in our favor in terms of it being used badly. That doesn't mean somebody can come up with some way around that. But look, at we can't be in control of everything that everybody does. There's just nothing we can do about it. We can, even if we don't come out with this, someone's going to. It's not, it's not, it's just maybe a, a decade away or two days. It's going to happen. All right. What else can we do to make it so that it is used correctly in the world and helpfully? Well, people are almost intently seeking to stay alive, at least in the body they're in, physical body, longer just because they're afraid of death. The weirdest thing about this is that as you give or offer people CRISPR, they're also trained to not be afraid of death by having out-of-body experiences and other things that we can help with. And it will alleviate the fear of death, which is sort of the counter to seeking to have CRISPR for any reason that has to do with the wrong, let's say, use of it. And that helps. That's a good help for us. It's a good help for everybody else, too. And fear of death has to do with a disbelief in God and even in alternate other higher dimensions in time and space. 
CRISPR will reverse that and give people a much better sense that those things really exist. And it will allow our version of CRISPR now. I'm going to talk about what's presently available. And it will allow people to become more spiritual, actually. So it's not a bad thing because people will become more conscious. And as they become increase their consciousness, they'll be able to leave their bodies and do other things. So it really helps in the long run and gives us the best opportunity to avoid the more negative elements. Let's talk about very long periods now. Let's say, okay, we really succeed in this. What's life like 100 years from now after CRISPR or something like it has become just part of everybody's normal life experience? And uh, not everyone, but everyone who leads a more spiritual life, a more conscious life. And this could be maybe a dominant, maybe it'll be half of the world. We don't know. Well, if it's that much, they have tremendously greater opportunities for people to live extensions in astral life, mental life, maybe even develop some intuitional world life from the fact that they have lived so virtuously with the assistance of some chemistry and other things uh, in the lower dimensions of life, and they've been a spiritual surfer all that time. It's a brilliant idea, and it's doable, completely doable. Can you make CRISPR in, in astral form? Yes. Believe it or not, you can. All the things that we think are physical have a, we'll say, a counterpart in the other dimensions. But not they're not physical anymore. But they still exist as a form. It's just astral form or monastic form. Now, What's the difference then for those people who are living in the astral world? They've already died from the physical world. Maybe they lived in the physical world 150 years and said, okay, that's it. They go to the astral world, and now two things happen. First is they live in the first or second subworlds, most likely, where the life expectancy is huge. But the more important thing is they're able to serve in all the lower realms. And they're able to directly confront and defeat evil, particularly if they're in the first realm. Uh, and they teach amazing things. And they are wonderful beings. And interestingly, they still can be using what would be astral version of the CRISPR formula, which would last a lot longer, by the way, and have a more profound effect for a longer period of time. Not a bad outcome. Think about that. And then, let's say you think that you're better ser- better able to serve in the monastic world. Well, you just go into the monastic world and serve. You, you don't even have to die from the astral world. You can just travel to the monastic world and serve as much as you want from it. Same principles apply. 
Yes, the form is monastic. <laughs> it's a monastic form of CRISPR. I mean, we don't have names for these things yet, but yeah, that's what it is. And you're still using it. And it's still working in the same basic ways. That result is pretty profound. It, it, it so increases the level of consciousness and service of humans in the world overall that the world changes almost like overnight into a planet that could be considered a sacred planet. Now, a thing called a sacred planet, and where Earth is far from a sacred planet, sacred planets have no evil on them. But they have certain other characteristics which we would start to take on. The first thing is a sacred planet is continually interacting itself more with its own creator, God, at the highest levels possible, usually which, which is what is called the first level, the atomic level of each plane. And it, it gives people almost a intimate relationship with their creator. I can't even begin to describe how much greater of a life that is than what we're used to living in the present time. And you're still using some form of CRISPR to be an additive help in that world. Or you, you could. You may not choose. You may choose you don't need it. But if you needed to, you could. And you could live as long as you wanted to. You can also reincarnate completely on your own with full memory of your last life because you need 60% of memory from the whole experience, which is completely possible, probable, if you're using CRISPR all the way up. So you come back and you remember everything from, from infancy. Wow. What a change in the world if you... Everybody's doing it, or most people are doing it. Even half the people are doing it. What a change in Earth. It's exciting. Can it be done? Yes. Is there some reason it's not possible? No. It can be done. I know, it's pretty far out there. People say, probably as they listen to me talk sometimes, boy, that guy's got some kind of imagination. He's never going to be able to do that. No. This is, this is right on the horizon. We could really get there. I know it all sounds like, oh, God, it's, but it's true. I'm not saying anything that I think is a fantasy or not even likely to happen. I actually think it's more likely to happen than not, provided we can stay around and maybe some others long enough to get this thing started. So that's why I'm making tonight's show about this, because it's it's a big deal. And the speed at which humans will change is so phenomenal that a human being a few hundred years from now, here on physical Earth, would be unrecognizable to us. That being would be more godlike than they are human. They still be, and they would call themselves human. But they would be something so far beyond what we think of as human today. And life on Earth would be wonderful. 
evil would be gone, of course. There'd be no, no more evil left in the world. But we would be able to do things that just amazing, amazing things would be within our grasp. The world would be such a wonderful place to be in. Now, is it all because of one thing you made CRISPR? No. But it's certainly a good place to consider starting from because it's a practical method. And we can do it. There's a lot of other ways to do it. Get everybody to start studying angel's wisdom and from childhood practice being more spiritual. To, it's just not likely to occur in the very near future. It could take decades, maybe centuries, before anything like that even comes close to happening. In the meantime, we've got the dark side marching along, trying to do everything they can to stop that and trying to take over the world before that happens. So you can see why I'm pretty positive about this approach, at least right now. Now, we being, our group, probably being the first to try this thing, uh, would mean that the people here would be taking probably the greatest risks. Because anytime you start with something that is this almost mind-altering and far out there, uh, there's bound to be some things we didn't understand or know correctly. And we'll have to compensate for whatever harm we cause for ourselves or others. And whatever we do wrong, there's good, I, mean, I don't think we can do this in a way that's absolutely perfect. We can try. So there's, there's significant risk. Of course, I'll be first in line, so don't worry about it, right? <laughs> Uh, let's see how he does. If he's, if he's okay, maybe we'll try it. That's okay. I, I, I'm more than willing to be first to try. But in all reality, there'll probably be some negative problems that have to be adjusted for or changed. You know, we just can't expect to have 100% out of the shoot. But we'll do the best we can. And we have to get a laboratory set up that does some things that our present laboratory and other things aren't capable of. To do this stuff is really getting to very, very, uh, we'll call it uh, esoteric parts of chemistry. Chemistry is very straightforward because it's been around a long time. But the things we're doing and talking about doing are not. And so they don't fall into the 99% of the chemistry that everybody understands and agrees with. They fall into the 1% that nobody agrees with and everything's confused and that kind of stuff. And we'll be fighting about that and dealing with that with others, etc. But I would be certainly one of the people to volunteer to do this first. And not because I think it will all work, but because I think some of it won't, and I'm willing to contend with that and try to resolve the problems. I don't want to see anybody else suffer before I've had a chance to try to work it out. The most important thing about everything I said in tonight's show is that this is a practical even a, and doable solution to a very, very serious number of negative things that are happening now and getting worse. It's so bad on Earth right now that it's, if you did a count, it's very possible that more people are seeking an evil outcome than not on the whole planet. 
certainly a close even to even number. That is most disconcerting to me. It leads me into a world of despair to know we're that close to a very bad outcome. And I'm almost saying that we have to consider things that are so radical as tonight's show because we just don't have a lot of options for the future. And I sure as heck don't want to see Earth destroyed. Not that I'm in love with the world as it is. I guess I'm in love with a world that could be. And that could do a lot for the whole universe in some ways. That other planets may not be able to do. Right now, it's a tough, tough time to be alive, and it's a tough time to see what's happening. Have things been worse in the world? Sure. A lot worse. But the time period that we had to change was much longer. Now, things are not even as bad, but the time period to change is so incredibly short that that's the problem. And it frightens me. And it disappoints me. Saddens me. So yes, I'd try anything. If I thought it was going to work, I mean, I'm not going to commit suicide just for the heck of it, but if it, if it looks reasonable, I'd, I'd go for it. What's the cost of this thing in terms of dollars and cents? About a half million dollars total cost. That's my calculation in my head in the last few days. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> could be less, could be more. I think that's about what it's actually going to cost, though. That includes the revamping of the laboratory, uh, the chemistry uses and things, and some some elements of the stuff that we talked about. Probably in a half million dollars. Doesn't sound like a lot of money, but we we're, you know we, we just don't have it coming running out of our pockets that way, but. I'm sure if we have to get it, we could, but it's tough. It's very tough. Could we do it with much less money? Not safely. Yeah, you could do it in your basement or something. The chances are having a much worse outcome is too high. So if you really don't want to kill anybody and you want it to be as successful as possible, you got to have the right equipment, the right kind of, we'll call it, testing areas, and do it in a way that's acceptably correct so that you know the outcome you get is real. That's a half million dollars. I'm not asking everybody who's listening to set us a half million dollars or collectively or whatever. What I'm saying is that in the long run, it looks like that's what we need. Now, what is the long run? A couple of years. Uh, it sounds like a lot of money to have and make in a couple of years, but it's, I think it's completely that part I think we can manage. The issue isn't so much the uh, 
total amount of the money. It's when the money is needed, and do you have it? We absolutely have to have it. Otherwise, you stop your experiment, and you just delay it until you can get more money, which is not a good thing, because in some cases, it'll all be sequentially time necessary to do. So there's some problems in that element of it. We could also look to other people who are presently working on these more out-there forms of CRISPR in other places, islands, etc. They're not doing it in any major country because the countries stop them. Um, my concern there is a partnership like that would lead probably to too much need for commercialization and a desire to make money, and we would have cross-purposes about what we're doing. There probably be more than enough money available to do it, but the result would be we wouldn't get what we want. We would get what somebody else wants out of it, which probably would be all about dollars and cents, rather than making the world a more spiritual place and a better place to be. It's a, sort of the opposite result of what we're looking for. So we can't go down that road, even though it might be the easier one to take. What if there's somebody who is a spiritual group who's already doing this? Hey, call us. <laughs> Let us know what you're doing. We'll help. Then we'll join forces. Yeah. We just haven't found that yet. Maybe there's a group out there that's like that. I don't know. We tend to do things that nobody else has done before, but that doesn't mean that someone else isn't doing it. It just it just doesn't it just means we don't know. And just don't know a lot of these kinds of things yourself. It's hard to be able to get to the point where you really do understand what's going on in the world. Because it's a big place. And people who are doing any of this sort of stuff are doing it pretty quietly and keeping it hidden. So it's hard to find out if they're really doing anything. But if you know, if you hear, if you know someone, and they're in the same vein as we are, Please call us. <laughs> that, I mean, makes sense. We can work together, and together we can get things done better. And we're certainly not aiming to try to be separate and away from everybody else. That isn't our goal. We want to work with others, but we want to work with others who have the goal of spiritually serving the world, not to make a lot of money or be in control of something or whatever the story. And I, I will tell you this, the dark side is hammering away at us in a number of ways, mostly dealing with laws and things, so that we are under attack almost daily. And some of the attacks are pretty severe, things that you would find difficult to believe unless you were actually witnessing them. You say, oh, you think that can't be happening. <laughs> you came and you saw it, and you say, wow. What I thought couldn't possibly happen is happening. <laughs> okay, well, that's what the dark side does. It, it does the things that nobody believes are happening, so they just don't pay attention to. They don't just pick any old thing. They pick things that they don't think anybody's going to catch on to. And they just hammer away at you. And we have that happening day in and day out.
endless, almost. Some things are turning our way, maybe, we'll see. But we're doing the best we can. And I don't want you to think we're ever going to just throw in the towel and give up. That's not us. No matter how much we get pummeled and hurt or whatever, we still get up and willing to keep going. Because we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for everybody else. And if you know people like that, and they would like to co-work with us, we are we're here. We're definitely here to do it. So, how much, what's the absolute maximum in a legitimate way a person can live in life extension uh, without harming a whole bunch of different parts of the world in certain ways? Probably about 180 years. I think anything beyond that, and that would be under most unusual circumstances, but it could be up to that. The average is really 147. But you could get up to 180 because of the need to reverse certain things that have already happened and to regain the certain points that you need to and certain abilities and senses, et cetera. That's still a tremendous... I'm talking about the full length of life, not from the time you start using the, the CRISPR. At, that's a still a very long lifetime. 180 years is a very long time. So if you're born in 1950, well... You'd live to 2,000, uh, 2130. That's a, that's a long life, right? I think I got that right. 1950, 50 years would be 2,000, right? And then you go another 100 years, it'd be 100 years. Yeah, it'd be 2130, something like that. But at any rate, it's a long time. And there's no purpose to living that long unless you're serving. So, to me, I, I don't see any advantage to staying on physical Earth that long unless you have very high levels of service that just have to get done and you're not yet ready to leave until you finish this, that, and the other thing. That's the only responsible, reasonable way to stay that way. And forget about the dark side. Now, the dark side has records way beyond that. But that's not us. They're staying here to be destructive. So, it's a different thing almost in opposition to what we're doing. And, of course, very, very hostile to the rest of us. Well, I, I'm hoping that this show has made some sense to you because I I try to make it as practical as possible because it's so far out there, it's hard for people to see it practical. But this is a practical solution. If we could do everything I suggested in tonight's show, we could change the world. It's not the only way to change the world, but it's not a bad one. And if you go through all the logic of it, it makes some sense. So, again, I, don't, I, don't, I do like some things that are pie in the sky, but this isn't one of them. And this is just, this is, you can make this work. This is real possible. We have some pretty good understanding of limitations, and there's some things we don't know about but we expect that we'll figure them out, and we expect that they will happen. So it isn't like we're, we're just ignorantly moving ahead and waiting for the shoe to drop. We'll keep our eyes open. We'll try to figure out ahead of time. We'll, we'll find as many solutions as possible so that we can continue to be a service.
Now, can CRISPR also be used to treat a lot of other illnesses and things? I don't have much time. Let me just go about a minute or two into this. Yes, if you use the CRISPR in slightly different ways than what I described, you could cure probably 80, 90% of all of human illnesses as we understand them. I'm talking about all the diseases out there that people are pretty miserable with and or are fatal. Uh, why haven't we done them? Same reason, that the governments don't want people making something that is altered in the body itself and changes during the life of the body uh, by itself. So that's the reason it's of no use for those purposes because you have to have that as one of its, one of its nature natures. But it's an excellent idea for treating all kinds of ailments along the same parameters. There's no reason you can't do it. So there's a whole bunch of diseases waiting to be cured through this methodology. And besides what I talked about, which is mostly about spiritual development of the planet, we're talking about just practical health. We can help Many people with many different illnesses uh, either get very great treatment and or be completely com completely cured, meaning they don't have no more symptoms from that disease, by using the same CRISPR technology, open-ended CRISPR, that is under the guise and control of the, of the body and not self-limited. It's real. It can be done, and no kidding, we could do it too. So after we do everything else I suggested, we may get into that. We may work with other people to try to cure every disease we can. If we have the money, time, ability to do all that, sure, we'll contribute as much as we possibly can. We're not eliminating that from our perspective. We're just saying it's takes a back door to getting rid of evil. Because let's face it, if you cure everybody of everything but they all turn evil, I don't know if that's a great outcome. <laughs> to me, I'd rather have walls that could die off than, 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 than become evil. You see, so I, I, I'm just trying to make my point clear. We're running out of time. I hope that tonight's show has made some difference. I talked about a lot of stuff. You can always re-listen to the show. Remember that. We have it up in a couple of days and you can re-listen to it. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is. <laughs>